Welcome to the Ohio Adult Allies Podcast Season 2, where we are developing, inspiring, and empowering youth leaders. In this episode, we discuss suicide prevention. Hi, I'm Amy Roberts, and I am the Youth Program and Policy Manager from the Ohio Suicide Prevention Foundation. We're a 501c3 nonprofit based in Columbus, Ohio, with a statewide reach, and I'm really excited to be tapped for today's guest host. Today's episode is focused on youth-led prevention initiatives, specifically those ones focused on suicide prevention. So today I'm joined by uh, several adult allies whose groups are focused on suicide prevention, and I'm going to go ahead and have each one of them introduce themselves. First, let's start off with Beth Dixon. Hey everybody, my name is Beth Dixon and I'm from Springfield, Ohio, Wellspring, and I am a prevention education coordinator. Um, I spend my time teaching Botvin, I'm a PACS partner, and I love working with youth learn. Thank you so much, Beth. Uh, can you uh, tell us what the name of your youth-led organization is? Yes, we have a community-based program, it's called BATS. Students came up with the name and it stands for Bringing Awareness to Students. Thank you so much, Beth. Happy to have you here today. And next we've got Beth Miller. If you can share your name, organization, and your relationship to youth-led programming. Hi, my name is Beth Miller. Um, I'm with Prevention Awareness Support Services, or PASS. And I actually used to do our youth-led programming, um, but now I supervise those that do. Thank you so much, Beth. And Lucy. Hi, my name is Lucy Flowers, and I also work at Prevention Awareness Support Services with Beth. And I am an Ohio Certified Prevention Consultant, so I no longer facilitate our gatekeeper program, um, but supervise our facilitators and, and just have a lot to do with what's going on in the day to day when it comes to our youth led programming. All right, thank you so much. And just to clarify, uh, are both the gatekeepers and BATS focused on suicide or is suicide just one of the many subjects that they tackle in their communities? I would say that uh, we mainly focus on suicide and promoting mental health awareness, uh, but we, we do, if, if the students name something else as the issue like substance use, uh, we will definitely take our focus there to try to address that as well. Great, thank you, Lucy. And how about you, Beth Dixon? Our kids are all over the place, Evie. <laughs> so um, it's really responding to what they're passionate about and what they want to do, what they want to lead. Um, we have a group of students that started a zero waste store this past month and kicked it off um, with uh, First Friday in our community. And it's been a big hit. We also have another group of students who are concerned about um, uh, sugary drinks that are offered during school lunch. And they're uh, collecting data on what students drink uh, during their lunch time. And um, they're concerned that schools should be offering water as a free alternative at lunchtime. So um, those are just two other projects that the students are engaged with. Um, they're really busy all the time. Wow, that's incredible. So tell me with the bats having so many different things to choose from, how did they settle on suicide for one of their projects? 
Well, um, it started by looking at our local data. So we spent some time looking at the YRBS data and the kids were really concerned when they, um, when they saw the high percentage of youth that are, uh, have seriously considered suicide, um, the high percentage of youth that have um, been engaged in self-harm. Um, and so in response to that, talked about it and um, we wanted to learn more as a community. So we reached out last year as a part of our Botvin um, curriculum and we surveyed youth countywide in 12 different schools. We asked them, what do you think is the number one health concern among youth? And we were really surprised by the results. It didn't matter whether the students were living in the county, the city, whether they attended private or parochial school. Um, uh, the, the students one and two said that uh, depression and anxiety is their number one health concern among youth. That kicked us into action. We thought, gosh, we really need to know more. We need to know why kids are feeling depressed and anxious. So we put together youth focus groups. We did six in six different schools. Um, and we talked with kids and we took a lot of notes. And, um, and we learned a lot. So that data has sort of been the, um, you know, has been the catalyst for the decisions that the youth are making um, in our community to help uh, with suicide prevention. That's incredible. What are some of the insights that you learned from the focus groups? Well, um, I, you know, it would be, it would take the whole time here to talk about everything. But basically what we learned is social media seemed to come up in every school in some form or another. You know, kids are just, uh, you know, whether it's cyber bullying or um, self-hate uh, and, um, uh, you know, uh, how we view our bodies and our body image. You know, these issues came up with social media across the board. But we also learned that kids are feeling a lot of pressures at home. There's trauma um, and we're concerned about that. We also learned that kids don't feel that there's enough support in the school systems, that there isn't necessarily someone to talk to when they're feeling depressed or anxious. And that was worrisome. Um, we're uh, you know, surveying these, school, these students again through Botvin to dig a little deeper. But the exciting thing is we're bringing them all back together in a youth summit a month from now to talk about a plan. What are we gonna do about this? And uh, each school will walk away from that youth summit with an idea of how they're gonna tackle this. Um, so uh, we're really, really excited. We're working in collaboration with Wittenberg University and that's been a great partnership to, um, to bring Wittenberg students on board as a part of a course that they're taking, a youth advocacy class. So a lot of exciting uh, partnerships and developments are happening because of the you know, um, ground work that we've laid for this. That's absolutely incredible. And you're really leaving me on the edge of my seat to find out what happens next. So I can't wait to check back in with you and see how the conference goes. You've got a really nice mix of both qualitative data and quantitative data, and you really cover the multifaceted issue of suicide, that it's not something simple that can be explained by any one factor. 
Uh, we've got, I imagine, a different approach with PASS. So Lucy and Beth Miller, could either one of you speak to the differing approach that you all took to be able to learn more about suicide in your community? I can speak to that. So uh, back in 2016, um, our Mental Health and Recovery Services Board facilitated a survey in our 36 school districts across Allen, Oglays, and Hardin County. And 60% of our students responded that they would go to a peer before they would go to an adult um, if they felt like they were struggling. So I think that speaks a lot to uh, why we implemented the gatekeeper program in the first place, uh, because it's meant to uh, train the students so they're trained in QPR to be able to recognize warning signs. And um, uh, we really emphasize they emphasize the help-seeking behavior within the school. Um, and so that, I think that survey really was what kicked off um, the initial focus on suicide prevention. Um, but then they, I, they may identify some of those um, intervening variables or root causes um, later on down the line when we get into the next piece of what happens when we facilitate gatekeepers. That's fantastic. Uh, Beth Miller, anything else you'd like to add about that process? Um, it's a little different for us here in Union County. Um, we were asked to come into the county and um, start up a youth-led. Um, there was um, kind of a rash of um, suicides uh, within the community. Um, so the youth were able to identify that there had to be a problem um, for there to be so many. So um, they decided that, you know, it would be a good focus. So that's, that's where our groups came from. The, it was just identified as, a, as an issue in the community. That makes a lot of sense. You started with the understanding that suicide was a huge problem within the community. And at that point, I imagine there would have been a lot of pressure to be able to act quickly and swiftly. And that might have been at odds with having a more data-driven or evidence-based approach. So how did you manage those two conflicting uh, drives that would have been influencing your work? The intervening variables uh, are, are what we talk to the youth about. Uh, we talk to them about um, being able to go through the planning process um, to really put some thought into how they were going to address the problem of suicide. Beth Dixon mentioned earlier that their school used survey data from the Youth Risk Behavioral Survey in order to guide some of their understanding of suicide in their community. Another popular survey tool that's used for Ohio schools is the Ohio Healthy Youth Environment Survey, or OES. Did anybody here use that survey within their counties? Yeah, so we do look at the OES survey results. Um, like, I, I just had a, a uh, meeting before this where we were looking at some of the Hardin County, which is a county we serve, some of the results where 28% of students said they um, felt sad or hopeless for more than two weeks. So we really do look, look back at that data um, to make decisions moving forward within our groups and also just the fact that the group exists in the first place because you know one of the one of the biggest protective factors would be um, like feeling close to other adults um, feeling that social connectedness so you know when you look at the OES data and it says that someone's feeling sad or a large majority of the students are feeling sad or hopeless for more than two weeks we just felt like 
the, the kids really do want to do more to address that. So thank you very much. Beth Dixon, I know that you all are in an interesting place where you have collected all of, all of this data and you're preparing to move forward and choose an evidence-based strategy. But I understand that the bats have been pretty active in their community before they started working on this project. Can you tell us a little bit about what evidence-based strategy their program chose to implement to address mental health problems in the uh, beforehand? Yeah, um, uh, the, the strategy that they're, focused on is an alternative event. So, um, and it's based on something that they saw in Cincinnati. One of our members serves on the Ohio Youth-Led Prevention Network and was on a panel, I believe with you, Evie, um, last year in Cincinnati uh, for a wellness event. Came back to our community and said, I want to do that. I want to have a community event like that. Um, so we sat down and we talked about what did that look like and, and what do you see um, happening here in our own community? She presented the idea to BATS. Um, the kids got excited and looking at those, um, uh, those focus group discussions that came out of it, they decided to make a, a, a day of wellness led by teens. Uh, it'll start at eight in the morning on October 2nd and end at uh, five, and each hour they've invited community members to attend sessions that they are teaching. So they're going to teach Pilates from eight to nine, and from nine to ten, they're going to teach journaling, how uh, that's an effective uh, way of dealing with stress and anxiety. Each of their sessions is sort of in response to these focus group um, issues that came up as the root cause of depression and anxiety. So for example, one of the things that kids talked about in the focus groups when we met is this feeling of being really afraid about their future. They're concerned about what the future holds for them. The kids in response to that from BATS said, why don't we have a goal setting session as a part of our, our what's wellness day? So one hour they'll be teaching goal setting and that's in reflection to what we learned from our focus groups. Um, the event is called What's Wellness. Uh, they're partnering with the Wittenberg University students. Those students will be in their sessions, just making sure everything goes smoothly. And they've been able to also partner with the Community Health Foundation and the Mental Health and Recovery Board to help spread the word that this great event is happening led by teens. So Evie, back to what you were talking about, you said, you know, we're, what evidence-based strategy are your kids focused on for this? You know, this is community-based process at its best. When kids come up with an idea and then, you know, as an adult alley, I think my job is just connecting the dots for them, you know, and say, what if, um, so, you know, this one event our kids have uh, planned for October 2nd is engaging the downtown community because each of these sessions is happening at a different location. Creative writing is happening at Winans Coffee Shop. Um, the, uh, overcoming adversity is over here at the Cohatch. They're all in walking distance. But imagine, you know, the power of bringing all of the community into an event like this um, by providing space and you know, uh, door prizes, 
uh, for people who come to these sessions. So um, we're just thrilled. We're looking at um, really impacting the community. And it all started with one young lady who participated in the Ohio Youth-Led Prevention Network, attended an event in Cincinnati and said, let's do this here. I love hearing about that, especially thinking about the promotion of positive social norms that is being incorporated into this event, that you really are trying to be the change that you wish to see in the world. And if exactly. we want young people and community members to refer to positive coping mechanisms like exercise and journaling and creative writing, sometimes we need to remind people that those opportunities exist to encourage them to utilize those activities explicitly as a coping mechanism and to be able to help young people explore and help them understand and realize what really fits with them. So thank you so much to and your young people for playing that role in your community. Oh, Evie, it's been exciting. And it's. It, I think when you have kids um, dedicated to encouraging healthy living, um, you're addressing a whole bunch of risk factors, so. And Beth Miller and Lucy, I'm really excited to learn more about the gatekeepers. You said that it all stemmed from the one statistic that about 60% of students said that they were more likely to go to peers instead of adults to be able to address a crisis. Did I get that correct? Yes, yes. Yeah, and I imagine that it could make some adults a little bit nervous to think about putting that kind of uh, responsibility in the hands of young people to be able to address crises. What gave you the confidence that this was the right decision, and how did you go about planning and implementing something like that? I mean, well, at PASS, we already offer um, an evidence-based suicide prevention program just generally to schools that's applicable to grades 5 through 12. And we were already seeing um, students learning from that and going to adults. So really it's just about, I guess, um, the youth-led groups taking that, taking that idea that um, we need to go to a trusted adult and really pushing that as a, almost to change the culture within, within the school that it's okay to go to an adult. This is the one secret um, if your friends, op friends, op if my friend opens up to me about thinking about suicide or, or feeling down and depressed, that's something that I need to go and let an adult know. Um, some of the other evidence-based strategies we, we use, um, in addition to um, facilitating QPR within the gatekeeper groups, uh, we also train them on the six effective uh, CSAP prevention strategies which would be that broader framework or for substance use, but is also applicable um, to suicide prevention or bullying prevention. Um, and then so they learn that those strategies and then they kind of choose which strategies they would like to implement after they've learned them all. And they do go for like the alternatives, alternative usually, but we really encourage them um, to use all the strategies if they can in their events throughout the year. Tell me more about the process of helping young people to choose between those strategies. Hmm. Um, so we, we literally train them starting, we, we go through and we provide them with examples um, of information dissemination. And then, and then we go into the community-based process and explain um, that it can be interagency collaboration or, and so then they get the idea, or then they learn about the education piece 
And then they'll say, oh, well, we can go to our school administrators and encourage them to implement more evidence-based education within the classrooms, K through 12. Um, it's not always an easy process to get them to understand um, the effective strategies and, and the strategic prevention framework, um, but we work through it slowly, but sure, they may not even know that they are um, spiffing, um, but sometimes the questions we ask, it, the answers will come out of that or the plans will come out of that. And it's kind of a trial by error um, type thing. And we learn as we go. Thanks so much for bringing up the strategic prevention framework. I always get excited whenever this fifth comes up. And you also mentioned that sometimes students are not quite as enthusiastic about it as I might be. What are some of the barriers or challenges that you experience while going through that process? I can say some of that. Um, this year we've we've started using um, the SPIF and I think a lot of the barriers to that are that the youth just wanna, they just wanna do something. We just wanna have an activity. We just wanna to, to make this happen. Um, but it's our job to, to help them see the planning and recognizing what we need to address is just as important as doing the events. Um, and I think some of them are starting to see that, that it helps them to better focus their events on the needs of the youth in our community if they go through the process. I couldn't agree more. Still, I'm really curious as to how you try to appease those young people who are so focused on doing. How do you keep them engaged in the process? You have to kind of help them see where the planning helps with the event. Um, they can focus their activities if they go through the process. So, you know, I don't have a lot of experience in, in that as we've just started that with our groups this year and I'm not hands-on with the kids. Um, but I think just the encouragement that they're gonna have more productive events they're gonna see the changes from the events that they want if they plan. I can definitely see that being valuable. One of my colleagues in the field, Rachel Kenter, is really fond of saying that planning is doing. And so being able to work with young people and even adults to be able to see that doing your pitches, your proposals, your content creation, even your meetings that go under community-based process is sometimes a really great way to help young people understand how they are in fact moving closer to the goalposts, even if it seems like it's still so far away. How about you, Beth Dixon? How do you engage young people in the strategic prevention framework? And what kinds of challenges have you experienced with the BATS? I think um, the most important job we have as adult allies is listening. And Beth Miller just really hit the nail on the head when she said, you know, kids will come in with ideas and um, they want to do activities um, and getting them to sort of follow a process and get them excited about collecting data and looking at the data is just a big challenge that we have as adult allies, right? Um, I, the other thing I have to say is, and I, I think that we as adult allies have to give them a taste of pride. I think when a child feels proud or pride, they want to feel it again and again and again. And that might be just having them sit in a coalition meeting and tell the coalition what they're working on. 
Um, and they'll be so nervous about that, that after they're done and everybody applauds them and says, wow, look what the kids are doing. That's the kind of pride I'm talking about is just getting them out in front of people talking about what they're passionate about. Um, so what are some of the challenges? I think for me, uh, it's challenging when I know a kid's idea is huge, really, really big. And I have to be a listener and I have to figure out ways to um, make that manageable, I think. Um, so uh, that's definitely a challenge um, that I feel. And how have you been trying to move through that so far? Um, let them fail. Yeah. Uh, and that's hard for me. Because, uh, you know, I don't, I don't like to fail myself and, and it goes against that feeling of pride. So, you know, uh, but I think that they, they can't learn unless they, you know, they try and sometimes it doesn't work and, and then we're ready to talk about why it didn't work. Um, so, yeah, let them, let them fall sometimes. That makes a lot of sense. And thinking about the kinds of lessons that can come out of those experiences, it oftentimes creates opportunities for young people to attain greater independence over future projects. Because now they're more aware of some of the consequences that might come out of those decisions. And they also have more reason to be able to get into that process and prevent it from happening in the future. So thank you so much for that reminder about that important life, life lesson. It's sometimes really important for adults to be able to go through that as well. Yeah. Um, I, I also have to say they are smarter than we are in so many ways. And um, if we can see a train wreck coming and we present that problem to them, a lot of times they have a great solution. Um, so just trusting a lot of times that they have the answers. Yeah, I think it's a, an important lesson for adults' humility to remember that um, we need to be able to trust young people even ever we think that they might be wrong. And for those of us who are pretty risk averse, uh, that might be pretty difficult. But the entire reason why young people are involved in this process in the first place is because we understand that they have skills and knowledge that we don't have. And so if we expected that we knew everything at the beginning, we wouldn't actually need to be here. And I think that the importance of Beth Miller's and Lucy's, Lucy Flowers program with the gatekeepers really speaks to that because they know intuitively that young people are able to fill a gap that adults couldn't possibly do. So Beth Miller, Lucy, anything else that you could tell us about your program and, and how you've been able to work together to be able to support the gatekeepers to take on some of that responsibility? I'm probably one of those people that really struggles with letting them fail as well, like, like Beth Dixon had mentioned, but constantly reminding myself, you know, don't, you can't take over, just reminding myself, this is youth led. Um, they're going to make mistakes. They're going to come up with ideas um, that, that might not fit with those effective strategies or um, anywhere within the spiff that we had originally come up with. But um, sometimes things don't always translate from theory to practice, right? And so that's where I think the best that we, when we veer off a little bit, sometimes when that, that's when the best things happen or the best things come out of it. Um, 
you know, the kids and, and I was just thinking back, uh, you know, some of the wild ideas that they come up with and I don't always see the connection, um, but may, may have let it play out. It may have failed or it, or it may have been an ultimate success. Um, but it is, it's, it's adorable to watch along the way, but I just always remind myself, you know, let them be them. Um, and then do no harm, which is the guiding principle that as prevention specialists, we should always follow. Thank you for that reminder. Beth Miller, anything else you'd like to add about your experiences in Union County? I just think that as an adult ally, it's um, our job to allow the youth to fail, but to also guide them to um, making maybe tweaks or changes to their ideas that maybe fit those strategies better by teaching them. Um, so, you know, they may come to us with a wild idea and maybe we're like, okay, you know, that's a really great idea. Um, but what do you think about this? How, how could it fit within, um, you know, uh, a different realm of prevention rather than um, just being something fun to do? How, how do we make this work? Um, and I think, you know, that's just really important to remember as well is that by guiding them, you're not taking over, um, but it allows them to, to think a little deeper about what they're doing. Yeah, I'm really glad that you reminded us of uh, one of the important adages in this field of youth-led adult-guided and how that is something that can really help us to work as really effective adult youth uh, collaborative partnerships and to be able to have an impact on suicide prevention, which is ultimately the thing that is bringing us together in the first place. Our conversation has almost come to an end, but I do wanna give everyone one more chance to be able to share what final piece of advice you have for others who are engaged in this work. Beth Dixon? Um, community connections are so important to me as an adult ally. Um, I would say that's the best advice I could give to adult allies is serve on your coalitions and get to know your partners and, um, and, and ask the question, would you be willing to over and over and over and don't be afraid to hear no. Um, the, the kids um, that I work with are feeling more and more connected to those community partners um, because they're becoming friends to these community partners. And that all starts with adult allies serving in those um, uh, coalition, doing coalition work and being a part of a community um, where we're giving and taking. So um, that's the best advice I have. Excellent wisdom, thank you. Beth Miller. I think the biggest piece of advice that I would give um, is, you know, they're kids. They're not always gonna follow through. They're not always gonna have the best ideas, um, in our opinion. Um, they're, they're gonna make mistakes. Don't give up on them. Keep going, keep trying, keep encouraging them, and keep trying to grow your groups as well. Thank you very much. And Lucy? I would just echo what Beth and Beth said and, and just, you know, don't give up. 
hang in there and have fun. Um, sometimes there's this idea that any, well, when you first walk in and, and you meet with the kids and you explain um, what the initiative is and they're you know, people are like, how is suicide prevention fun? That doesn't sound like we could make anything fun out of that, uh, but just have fun with it. Um, and like Beth said, social connectedness or community connectedness is so important. Just keeping that overarching goal in mind um, and, the, and just having faith that the kids can do what we, we hope they can do. And that's bridged the, the gap with some of those, some meeting the needs that were not being met. I completely agree. And I'll just add that being able to put uh, fun in suicide prevention, I, it's, it can sometimes be a challenge, but we can also focus on those protective factors that can bring a lot of joy and fulfillment to all of us in our lives. Whenever the bats realized that they needed to support wellness in their community, they didn't uh, put on a bunch of exhibits where they focused on the consequences of neglecting wellness. They looked at protective factors. They looked at things that can bring fulfillment to our lives. And being able to remember that, to be able to see what is on the opposite side of unwellness and being able to create that in our reality with young people by our sides, that is an incredible accomplishment and it'll make all of our communities happier and healthier. Thank you so much for joining us for today's discussion on youth led suicide prevention. We'll see you here for the next episode of the Ohio Adult Allies podcast. Thank you for joining us today on the Ohio Adult Allies podcast. If you would like more information on our work, visit us at ohioadultallies.com. You can find more episodes on Spotify, iTunes, and other platforms by searching Ohio Adult Allies.